Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. So basically now we're just um, recording the call and what I'll do is uh, don't worry about if you mess up or anything. If you want to say something over, do that because I'll just edit out all the weird pauses. I'll edit out all the ums. I'll edit out. Um, basically, I'm going to make you sound amazing. Okay. That, that <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> um, so so that's that. Um, you've You've, you said you've uh, re- uh, recorded podcasts before. Yeah, and it went fine, actually. I Yeah, we just did one, you know, okay, talk through, and it yeah. was good. So. I would, the old, my only real suggestion is to uh, speak a little bit more slowly than you think you need to. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, just because when it's just audio, you don't realize, like, how much of a visual cues you take to understand somebody when you're talking to them wherever, yeah. until until that, that visual cue is gone. Sure. So, <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get started. Sounds good. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lab Medicine's podcast series. My name is Kelly Swales, and I'm the web editor for Lab Medicine. Joining me today is Dr. Amy Carter. She is, she is an assistant professor at the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at the University of Minnesota. In addition, she is the medical director for the West Bank Laboratory at the University of Minnesota Medical Center, and in this role, she directs the Ebola Containment Laboratory. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Carter. Thank you. Your paper titled Establishing a Standalone Laboratory Dedicated to the Care of Patients with Ebola Virus Disease describes how you and your colleagues rapidly set up a contained laboratory space during the 2014 Ebola outbreak. Why did you feel it was important to publish your experience? So the Ebola outbreak of 2014 presented challenges for clinical laboratories that had not been tackled before. This was the first time that many laboratories were asked to segregate their testing and processes for patients with a specific disease. Additionally, while clinical lab personnel treat all specimens as potentially infectious, the degree of risk associated with Ebola specimens was recognized to be significantly greater than a routine specimen, given the severity and degree of contagiousness of Ebola virus disease. And thus, clinical laboratories had to develop procedures above and beyond the usual protocols to protect laboratory staff from infectious exposures. One of the greatest challenges we faced when setting up our containment laboratory is that there wasn't a lot of literature out there to provide guidance on setting up such a laboratory from scratch. We learned an immense amount in a short period of time through the process of setting up our laboratory and felt that it was important to share our experience to add to the sparse body of literature that currently exists on this topic. Additionally, our Ebola containment facility was recognized for its excellence on both a state and federal level. It was initially chosen as one of four Ebola virus disease treatment and testing centers in the state of Minnesota in 2014 And in 2015, it was selected by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as one of nine regional centers for patients with Ebola 
or other severe, highly infectious diseases. Therefore, given the external recognition of our facility, we feel this adds credibility to the quality of the processes we used to establish our containment laboratory. What are some of your thoughts on the relevance of containment labs now that the Ebola crisis has waned? That's a great point, and it's absolutely true that the Ebola virus crisis has diminished for now. However, that outbreak taught us a valuable lesson. Our hospitals and clinical laboratories were largely unprepared in 2014 to adequately and safely handle patients with severe, highly infectious diseases in a quarantined setting. The rapid blossoming of the Ebola crisis taught us all that such outbreaks are not predictable and that we need to be vigilant and prepared to quickly mobilize to face similar outbreaks in the future, whether they be from Ebola or another severe, highly infectious disease. It was somewhat of a painful process to have to respond to the Ebola outbreak from scratch without much of a blueprint available for how to set up a containment laboratory or contain treatment facility. The silver lining of the Ebola outbreak experience is that there are now nine regional treatment and testing facilities across the country that have been established with the help of federal grant money, including our own. And these facilities are now ready to handle any future severe, highly infectious disease outbreaks. Additionally, our laboratory and others have now published papers on various aspects of establishing Ebola treatment centers and laboratories which can provide a model for other hospitals who are interested in establishing quarantine facilities for testing and treatment. Therefore, while the containment laboratories are quiet for now, we know based on the experience with Ebola that there will be future infectious disease threats and we are now better prepared and ready to handle them. What was the greatest challenge as a laboratory director when setting up the containment laboratory? Let me start over. Dr. Parker, for you, what was the greatest challenge as a laboratory director when setting up the containment laboratory during the Ebola outbreak? I think the greatest challenge for me was moving forward quickly with plans without an established blueprint for how it should be done. I tend to prefer to take my time to fully investigate options for our clinical laboratory before implementing them. And with the rapid onset of the Ebola outbreak, we were given a very short timeline for establishing a quarantine laboratory facility. It really took a Herculean effort on the part of several members of my laboratory staff who dedicated hours above and beyond their normal duties to bring this laboratory to fruition within just a few short months. We began planning in the summer of 2014 and opened the containment laboratory just a few months later in October of 2014. Another challenge centered on the issue of how to staff the containment laboratory. The question came up, should all staff be required to rotate through the containment laboratory space? Should the potential risk of Ebola exposure be considered part of their job duties, or should staff be allowed to opt out? In the end, we did not feel comfortable requiring all our staff to participate, and instead we solicited volunteers who were willing to work in the facility knowing the risks. We were pleasantly surprised to have sufficient volunteers to fully staff the containment laboratory facility 24-7 and did not have to consider the ethics of requiring shifts in the containment laboratory by all personnel. Additionally, we took the added step of requiring head-to-toe 
PPE, or personal protective equipment, for all lab personnel working within the containment laboratory. The PPE required for our laboratory staff included a pair of hospital-issued scrubs worn with the following, a double layer of disposable gloves, boot covers, an impermeable gown, and a papper, which is a hooded respirator. This was the highest level of PPE recommended by the CDC for caregivers of confirmed Ebola patients or clinically unstable patients with suspected Ebola, and we felt it best to err on the side of safety and adopt this highest level of PPE recommended by the CDC for our staff doing testing on specimens in the containment laboratory. You mentioned that with the Ebola crisis diminished, that the lab is quiet for now. What has to be done to maintain such a facility, and what are the associated costs of keeping the lab ready to go at a moment's notice? There is certainly a cost associated with maintaining our containment laboratory facility at the ready. The federal grant money helped to offset the costs associated with setting up and maintaining the laboratory and clinical care space, but it did not cover all costs. As a tertiary academic health center, we made the decision early on to try to establish ourselves as a centralized center of excellence for this type of care, despite the costs. We continue to this day to have staff on call for the containment laboratory 24-7 and these staff members do receive a small amount of additional compensation for being on call. These staff members also have to maintain competency in our containment lab procedures, such as continuing education on how to properly put on and remove the patient protective equipment, or PPE. Additionally, we incur, incur the costs of keeping the instruments up and running, including instrument duplicates and proficiency testing measurements. A final question for you, Dr. Carter. If there are any laboratory directors listening who are planning on setting up a containment lab facility, do you have any parting words of advice? Yes, absolutely. I, I would advise setting up good lines of communication with the clinicians tasked with caring for patients in the containment facility from the very beginning. We had open and frequent communication with the clinical team, which helped us determine what their testing needs and wants were. This also allowed us to quickly communicate back to them what was possible in terms of point-of-care testing and what they would have to do without. Our laboratory team also worked collaboratively with the clinical nursing team to develop a procedure outlining the process for collecting and handing off specimens to the containment laboratory staff. Lastly, our laboratory staff also participated in containment unit simulations with clinical staff which helped solidify the processes and procedures put into place, and also was useful for team building between clinical and laboratory staff. Great advice, Dr. Carter. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I know I found this very informative as I found your article, and I hope that our listeners and readers will do the same. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. There we go. All right. <laughs> Just <laughs> a couple bobbles, but... Yeah, yeah, not too bad. That was relatively painless. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll get this cleaned up. Your, um, your article's now up now on advanced access. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'll probably get this podcast, I'll get it edited and put it up, get it on the website within the next week or two probably. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I know. We'll... Uh, 
you know, be promoting it and such, and it'll just live on the website for a while. So, um, so that's that. All right. Thanks so much, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out if there's anything ever that you want to, if you have another paper coming up in lab medicine or if you've got something you want to, you have the burning desire to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just let me know and we'll, we'll get the ball rolling. Sounds good. Thanks so much. I appreciate uh-huh. it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.